You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you, and for the second consecutive week, Penn State suffers a double-digit deficit loss at home in the Big Ten for the second consecutive week. Penn State falls behind 14-0 in the first quarter. For the second consecutive week, the first drive of the Nittany Lions night ends on a failed fourth down conversion. For the second consecutive week, we are left with a lot of questions about the quarterback situation and so much more. The two differences here, last week it's against the national championship contender in Ohio State, and the Buckeyes rolled in the town. This time, quite frankly, it wasn't even as close, and it was against a program, the Maryland Terrapins. Penn State had outscored 163-6 to over its three previous meetings. Throw that stat away in a big way. It was 28-7. to It was 35-7. to This was dominated by Maryland in Happy Valley. Sean Fitz, we got a lot to get to. Sorry, this is coming a little bit later to our listeners than maybe they anticipated with a 3.30 kickoff, but we had to do some writing on this too and get some of those thoughts up on the site. That's been done. It's time to talk about it. And this, as you referenced, the worst loss in the James Franklin era. That was where your words, Mark seemed to confirm it. I haven't covered this team since before 2017, so I'm kind of at the midway point of Franklin's time in town. For you both to say that pretty definitively speaks volumes from my perspective. I mean, I'm just thinking back in what, 2015 Temple before your time, but the Penn State started on the road that year, gave up, I think, 10 sacks, and it was just a a deflating loss. This one, I mean, nobody could possibly have seen it coming. I mean, you could see a scenario where maybe it's a close game or maybe where Maryland jumps out to a lead, Penn State comes back through. I mean, I'm I'm sitting there midway through the first half just completely speechless. I I I don't know. I mean, cuz Maryland's even with the win today, not a particularly good football team. Penn State just seems to be waiting on plays to happen and they're not happening and what you get out of that is also not a very good football team and an 0 3 football team. It's just, it, it's just, uh, mind blowing how easy Maryland made it look. I mean, they dominated, I think, in all three facets of the game. And when you take into account what we do in this industry and that's casting blame, it's really tough to do because everybody sucked. And that's, I mean, it's, it, it's really just uh, an unfortunate circumstance there. Um, of course, it all lays at the feet of James Franklin. He, it's, it's his job, obviously, to get this thing done. And it, it hasn't come together. It hasn't been close to happening. And it's been really, frankly, embarrassing just to, to sit down and watch. I mean, this is not some, this is not a team that you're going to look forward to watching for the rest of the year. And that's a, you know, a far cry from what we thought a couple of months ago. Only a couple of weeks ago, two Saturdays ago, we all woke up. It was like Christmas morning. It was this long abyss, long desert journey of an offseason, wondering if we'd even get to the watering hole of a football season. We got there, sat down, buckled up, thought you saw a team that could compete maybe for that uh, college football playoff spot, be in Big Ten title contention, the number eight ranking in the preseason poll reflected that which Penn State entered this year with um, as did the accolades you saw across the board and even through those two losses Sean 45 to 10 was your pick against Maryland I had 38 17 we kind of scoffed at Mark Brennan a bit for picking Maryland to score 24 points albeit 
in a lopsided loss with Penn State taking that at the end of the day. Uh, Vegas doesn't get much wrong, and they were way off on this one. A 25-point-ish underdog were the Maryland Terrapins. They came into town. They outclassed Penn State. And for a team that told us their back was against the wall, they knew the 0-2 record was not up to par. Uh, Coming off that loss against Ohio State, you'd think that you'd have a fired-up squad on home turf this Saturday. The word I kept coming back to over the course of this game, uninspired, and I just don't know how that can possibly happen for a team looking to avoid its first 0-3 hole since 2001 and ultimately fell deep into that hole early and, and just had no chance to get out of it. It was a mirage is what it was. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to think about this. And, you know, especially after watching, you know, I felt better about my pick going back and watching Maryland last week because they couldn't tackle anybody on Minnesota, couldn't tackle anybody on Northwest. This is a team that gave up 43 points to Northwestern. And that's just doesn't happen. 43-2-3 um, two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago, this team lost to Northwestern. It's 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 really unbelievable and 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 how they do it. I mean, um, you you credit the quarterback for being accurate, but uh, you know when he's hitting wide open receivers that are behind the defense, that's you know that that that's a that's a breakdown. And and really, what you've been what you've come accustomed to with this Penn State team, when the offensive uh, attack is not clicking on all cylinders, when you're trying to get into a groove or something like that. Is that the defense can hold on and the defense can, you know, at least keep you close to the game. And that's what we've gotten used to over the last couple of years. Now, I mean, last four games that they've played, if the opponents have been 35 or more points. And, you know, I know one was a, a defensive touchdown today for Maryland, but that's kind of irrelevant because you're already behind 28 nothing. You know, you come out, uh, Maryland's seven of eight. 147 yards passing in the first quarter, four of five on first uh, on third downs in the first quarter, two carbon copy touchdown passes. I mean, you, you thought you were watching a replay when Raheem Jarrett took his second touchdown to the house. Um, it was really just uh, just stunned silence there anywhere that you were watching this game, and it's just. Uh, you just shake your head and, and and wonder what could go wrong next, and 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 it seems like I guess for the second time this year, and you saw that in the Indiana first half, just anything that could go wrong just piled up and and did that for the Nittany Lions. You're approaching kickoff this afternoon. You see Indiana really taking it to the Michigan Wolverines and and moving to three and zero on the season, and you're thinking, you know what? The further you get away from that one, it was a devastating loss. Penn State didn't play well. They should have won the game, and you could argue that from an official standpoint, but really more so from not shooting yourself in the foot over the course of that contest. Maybe you think, okay, you can digest that a little bit as the season goes on. You lose to Ohio State. I think we get to the end of the year. We're going to realize just how strong this Ohio State squad is. Fully anticipate them to be involved in the college football playoff picture. Maybe that national championship game. Probably in there now with Clemson you know, suffering their first loss against Notre Dame. Two losses that you figure you can get some distance from. By the end of the year, maybe you can make a case that Penn State's the second-best team in the Big Ten Conference, where it's Ohio State and everybody else, as we talked about on the postgame last week. But this one, there's no way around it. It's an absolute disaster. Um, for a lot of Penn State fans, this is the, this is a travesty. And uh, you know it's hard to argue with, with whatever adjective you feel like throwing against the wall to describe what you saw play out in Beaver Stadium on Saturday. Uh, this was a team, Maryland, as I said two weeks ago, uh, a 43-3 loss against Northwestern. They beat a Minnesota team that is not nearly what it was in 2019 by one point. 
uh, last week, and it, it was a game where they couldn't stop Minnesota off uh, defensively. And and in the last two weeks combined, cumulatively, more than 600 rushing yards allowed against Minnesota and Northwestern. Not exactly juggernauts that have loaded up on blue chip talent in their backfield and on the offensive front. And here we see Penn State muster less than 100 rushing yards, have three turnovers, including one that results in a touchdown for Maryland, completely unable to, to really apply consistent pressure. Uh, and when the passes go off, just guys wide open, breakdowns all over the place. Special teams doesn't do anything to spark this game. In fact, there's a missed extra point at one point, uh, and there's a decision not to go for a field goal on that first drive inside the 10 when you think, hey, you take the points, probably don't have to play keep up against this Maryland team. Turned out you did have to play keep up against this Maryland team. And over the course of the game, it became increasingly more glaring that the quarterback spot for Penn State, not only is it not in a good place right now with the way Sean Clifford is performing and the way things are going with Kirk Shiraka, his first year as offensive coordinator, but very clearly it is becoming increasingly apparent to me, Sean, that Penn State does not see a solution on the sideline. It's something we've alluded to at times. Today was a very clear example as this gun got deeper and deeper and deeper, and you still didn't see a Will Levis or even a Taquan Roberson get some in-game action, something that none of those other quarterbacks besides Sean Clifford have under their belt, under the direction of Kirk Shiraka. I brought that up to James Franklin in the post-game press conference. He said that you know the, the starter earned star, earned his reps. They wanted to stick with their starter. They wanted to see if he, he could be the guy that could rally them. There's a reason he's on the field. To me, that speaks volumes. I mean, it's it's quite frankly a disaster right now. I mean, you look at the you you have enough tape, especially this year. I I don't know what happened to Sean Clifford. I mean, he you know I've never been the biggest fan of his, but last year you know he did some nice things. This year. It's tough to point to those nice things. And I know that he threw for 340 yards today and three touchdowns. But on the flip side of that, 27 to 57 and two interceptions. And not getting accuracy. The I mean, that, that accuracy, that, that tells a story, 27 to 57. But it was time and time again, missing high, missing wide. There were a lot of missed opportunities. And, and Penn State found themselves needing to convert those. Their average, Sean, and, 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 and going to gain on third down, there was about third and eight was their average. And so those misses stacked up in, in a really pivotal way for Penn State. Well, he's not just missing with his arm. He's missing with his eyes. I mean, he's missing open receivers, um, you know, moving off of those targets before they're even get a chance to get in their routes. And as we've said before, that internal clock, I'm not sure where it's at, but it's it's messed up. And that's been, you know, seven sacks today. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those One on were, a two-point conversion too. Right. And a lot of those were on him. And that's, uh, you know, you, you can't have that sort of thing. And, and when when your offense is as dedicated to the quarterback as this one is or this one seems to be, especially when you don't have a run game going, you're, you're pretty well handicapped. And that's the way the Penn State played today. And, uh, you know, it's just I, I can't think of a reason why you're getting to what, four and a half minutes left and the game's out of hand. You know, you, you might find the end zone, get an get a onside kick or something like that. But if you're not going to turn to Will Levis, I mean, number one, what does that say to Will Levis about your confidence in him? Um, especially he's a quarterback, the portal is there, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, what does that say to the rest of your quarterbacks when you're seeing this obvious, uh, you know, uh, these obvious mistakes and these, you know, just uh, an obvious failure here and it's just not working? You're not going to give anybody another chance. And that's, uh, that's obviously not going to help you in the long run. So, very curious to see which way this goes. Um, you know, I, I didn't think Sean Clifford would be a world beater, but I didn't think that, you know, just 
it would be this bad. I mean, and, and it's been it's been pretty bad. So um, the stats are one thing. The stats are nice, but again, as as we've seen in his two years of starters, stats or as a starter, excuse me, stats can be misleading, and that's the way that it's going, and it's going down this path once again. Last September in College Park in the same matchup, very different teams clearly, but Sean Clifford made his first start as a Big Ten Conference quarterback. He went out and he ended up being the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. 450 plus total yards, four touchdowns to his credit, including the very first play of the game where he ran for a touchdown. He lit it up and he was celebrating after the game and the confidence was there and he said, wow, Penn State has something in this kid. A year later, an offensive coordinator later, Goes through, goes into halftime, and he is eight of twenty-seven passing for one hundred and seven yards. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, that's over the past two games. Yeah, he, he was six of twenty passing in the first half uh, for 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 uh, I think close to eighty yards. That means in the last two games is the stat I, I had written down here. The last two games cumulatively in at home uh, against Ohio State and Maryland, eight of twenty-seven passing for one hundred and seven yards in the first half of those contests. During that span, the Nittany Lions were outscored 49-13 to in those first halves. And, you know, it's not like he lit it up at Indiana. In fact, he had two interceptions that led to 10 Hoosiers points and created that early separation. He was 11-15 of 15 for 91 yards, threw that touchdown to Frymouth in the first possession of the first Penn State possession of the season. Um, and now we're into this thing three games. The sample size is growing. And not only is, is it becoming more concerning about Sean Clifford, but it's becoming more concerning about where the offensive line is right now. You mentioned the sacks. Franklin was very quick to to deflect blame off of Sean Clifford. He mentioned the inability to establish a ground game, the inability to establish a push up front, the inability to protect Sean Clifford. I think we would agree Sean Clifford has a hand in a lot of these situations where he's feeling the pressure, where he's not getting rid of the ball, and he's taking sacks outside of the pocket when he's scrambling around and trying to make something happen instead of living to fight another day, throwing that ball out of get sacked for a major loss that sets you up in a bad spot but very clearly the the additions that the you know the big fish that came aboard this coaching staff that that pressure is mounting on Kirk Chiraca uh, on Phil Troutwine because this offensive line today uh, it was really I mean uh, disappointing is not a strong enough word to describe what we saw from a group that has plenty of talent has plenty of experience has been in big time games in the trenches Against a Maryland defensive front, all due respect to those players, how many of uh, uh, how many college football pan- fans who pay attention closely can name many Penn State uh, Maryland defenders? They just got blown up the last couple weeks, 600 rushing yards allowed, and they took it to Penn State's front. And and, and meanwhile, the offense had no solutions. Devin Ford didn't have that breakout moment. No running back did. I mean, it was just the wheels fell off and Sean Clifford's the guy that that's at that steering wheel. So he's going to be front and center in the focus and in the intensified scrutiny. But there is a lot of blame to dish out. And these new coaches very quickly, the honeymoon period, Sean, it's it's over. Forget about it. It's very much over. And that's I, I, I know it's a weird year and I know crazy things have happened. It's been a hard year for everybody. But well, we're still it's playing also football been, games. It's also yeah. been the same situation. You know, it's, it's kind of the same situation for everybody. And, you know, you, you give some some of these units some grace with Micah being out in Journey and Noah Kane and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, you recruited these guys to, to play. You recruited these running backs to play early. Um, we saw nine carries from Kaziah Holmes today, nine carries from Devin Ford. Um, not 
awful uh four yards of carry ish for those guys but at the end of the day you're not making guys miss and if you're not making guys miss on maryland you're not going to make guys miss with michigan and you know these these premium teams that you're going to play um at least down the stretch so i i just it, it it's really unbelievable that the, the way that they went out I mean, just no energy whatsoever. I mean, the the game, like I, I was lagging this afternoon watching the game, like starting as the game started, and it seemed to carry that energy over to the to the to the game to the players because it was just unbelievable to watch just the body language and just kind of waiting for things and you know, you're looking for people to point where you need to be. And, you know, just when Matt Millen's out there saying, you know, there's a guy in motion, there's nobody going with him, he's playing zone and then you know, you're not playing zone. You're playing man. I mean, it's 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 crazy to see. By the way, Big Ten Network uh, production value is terrible today. Um, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. You were in the stadium. You don't even know. Um, but uh, the production value in the stadium was pretty bad. The and production I don't, I don't value mean, matched I don't, the effort. Yeah, and matched yeah. the, the the game as a whole. It was uh, it was a good synopsis for where that game was from a Penn State perspective. But no, I mean, you you look at this entire game. You mentioned that fourth down that Penn State uh, decided to go for it through a you know, a slot fade to, to Parker Washington to the short side of the field. I mean, I, I don't know. I, there's got to be something more efficient there. Uh, Parker Washington did have the big game that I thought he would have, just not in the, you know, the manner that I thought he would have it. Um, but, uh, man, it's just uh, – you just keep going over and over, and you, and you try to pin it on one thing. You try and pin it on the offensive line. Well, Clifford walked himself into sacks. You try to pin it on, you know, maybe the receivers didn't have a good game, and then you look and, you know, Clifford's not even close with some of these throws. And then you just – the defense, you don't even know where to start. I mean, you, you've got no push, no pass rush from the defensive line. The linebackers, once again, uh, you know, behind the play, slow. Uh, I don't know what you have to say, but uh, they're not – up to the standard that we thought they would be. And then the secondary uh, running behind a lot of guys. And that's, uh, that's not how you make it work. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's so hard to pin down where it goes and it's got to come back on the coaching staff undoubtedly, but at the same time, just the, it, it didn't seem like there was a ton of effort going on. And that's probably the hardest thing to swallow, especially for after, you know, in during this year that you didn't think you'd have football and you get it back to see them going out there and, and not putting in the effort or, or at least seemingly not putting in the effort. That's, that's a tough one to deal with. I, I have a hard time looking back at the comments and, and, and really the confidence that was exuded by James Franklin as recently as the, the week prior to that Indiana matchup. And he has certainly has a different aura about him right now, three games into the season. But, you know, talking about he'll sleep soundly the night before that game because he felt like they packed in so much over the course of the offseason, extra even than compared to what they had before and hear from the players. And it was like, we're locked in. We're ready to go. We're going to go chase that championship. We think we're the best team in the Big Ten. Those were all the vibes you were getting. There was no indication that that the wheels were about to fall off in such an extreme way. I mean, 0-3 is, is one thing, but to see how they've gotten to 0-3 as well, getting just the brake speed off you by the Maryland Terrapins. The Maryland Terrapins came into Beaver Stadium and just bulldozed the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I said this uh, on the last episode of the podcast, Maryland had not won a road game anywhere except for Rutgers since September 2017. They made it look easy. They, they made it look like a cupcake on their schedule. And this is a Penn State squad that 14 days ago was ranked inside the top 10. And until last Sunday, it spent 63 consecutive polls as a top 25 program in college football. Here we are, the first Saturday of November 2020, 
and things are in disarray for James Franklin's program. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll mention the fact that as Maryland was building a 28-7 lead in the second quarter, Derek Davis was committing to LSU. The hits keep on coming, Sean, and and, and we keep leaning on that 22, 22 recruiting class, and we're not getting to go really down the path with, with recruiting in this conversation, but... Today was just, you look at as the dust settles here, and as we pass midnight into Sunday, Derek Davis is off to LSU, a place he spent one weekend at, and while that team was away getting getting beat up by Auburn, uh, and Penn State just got throttled by the Maryland Terrapins. I mean, what is going on? Well, we avoided the meltdown, the Derek Davis meltdown on the site. So that's that's good because nobody noticed it because they were too busy watching this game. (laughs) Uh, Nice sleight of hand by us. Uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's troubling, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at where Penn State stands with recruiting right now in the 2021 class, especially in state, none of the top 10 players uh, committed to Penn State. And that's... uh, that's tough to that's tough to swallow, especially you know you, you dominate the state is one thing, but you know at least showing up in the state is another. And I know Lonnie White uh, is eventually going to end up in that top ten, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter that you if you view it that way because there's a lot of targets um, on that list that you certainly prioritize. Um, you know, a couple other stats that just really jump out to me about this week: uh, nine of sixteen, Maryland was nine of sixteen on third downs after Ohio State was ten of eighteen last week. Uh, scored both of their first. Quarter quarter touchdowns on third downs. Uh, that's awful. And that's, uh, 50, I think, 55 or 56% over the last two weeks. If you can't get off the field, uh, you're you're in some serious trouble. And, and Brent Pry, I, I mean, I, I like Brent. I think he's a, a very good coach. But where they've gone in the last year, how far this defense has fallen in the last year, I, I, I don't even know because you can't, can't really pinpoint. I mean, they went into that Minnesota game last season with, you know, what everybody would agree was an elite defense. And since then, it's just been uh, let down after let down and really no answers seem to be on the horizon for that group, uh, just uh, at all three levels, just underperforming. And that's uh, that's really tough to see. Mark Brennan just sent us a stat here. I was going to say, that's the hell of a stat. Maryland scored 35 points today. They did not have a single snap in the red zone. They were zero for zero in the red zone. So uh, for a team... That's been as consistently bad as Maryland to do that to you. That's that says something about your your lack of preventing big plays. It's just uh, one stat after another, and and this sometimes, like we said, stats can mask some things sometimes, but sometimes they do tell a pretty big story, and that would uh, that would go hand in hand with this game today. Uh, Penn State, I believe the number that they have surrendered uh, five touchdowns of 25 plus yards in the past two weeks. So uh, no red zone needed. And, and Rakeem Jarrett, talk about a five star prospect pickup, staying home and paying off right away. And the biggest win I can recall of late for Maryland, uh, he was an absolute stud. Uh, six catches, 110, 120 plus yards in those two touchdowns that, as you said, were mirror images. And the second one particularly looked like the Penn State defensive backs were in quicksand. And this was a, a big topic of conversation over the course of the entire offseason as they were working behind the scenes and away from any eyes of the media. Again, we, we did not see a single Penn State practice between Dallas and the Cotton Bowl and, and when they got on the field against Indiana. So this was always going to be a mystery for us. We didn't know it was going to end up being this kind of a mystery box, but they were saying the emphasis was eliminating those big plays. And, and Terry Smith said all these, all four of these starters are going to be NFL draft picks. And if, if you're going to pass on our cornerbacks, it, it's going to have to be an all American performance. And 
you know, again, a lot of that talk, a lot of that confidence we heard going into the season, you just wonder what were they seeing on the practice field? What were they seeing on film that really led them to believe this? Or is this a team that was just delivered such a devastating blow with the way it worked out in game one that they have just not been able to recover? And we saw that uh, exponentially increase with the performance uh, in week three. Uh, you know, there's so many questions right now. I, I very much doubt that James Franklin and his staff have all the answers. If they did, they would have been able to answer that bell going up into this matchup against Maryland. And Maryland didn't surprise you going in. You know, Tango Valoa comes off of being the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week and picks up right where he left off against this Penn State team. And uh, yeah, the, the, regardless of what stats you want to play with here, none of them look very good. And uh, the offense, the defense. Uh, and, and into the special teams. It's 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 very difficult. We're we're going to continue this conversation. Let's catch our breath for a second. We'll come back and some really 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 interesting post game comments. Very candid post game co- uh, comments from some Penn State veterans, and one in particular that really is a quiet guy. That changed in a big way on Saturday night. We're going to tell you what he said. Try to dive into that a little bit and, and just assess the outcome of this 35-19 Penn State loss that wasn't nearly as close, really, as that score would suggest. Stay with us on the Lions 24-7 postgame podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Our late night conversation on Penn State, Maryland, week three, loss three for these Nittany Lions continues. And uh, Sean, you mentioned earlier last year this team entered November with with high expectations and James Franklin has set those high expectations. They're now 16 and nine since the great two elite uh, game against Ohio State. Uh, They are now also three and five since entering November as the number four team in the initial 2019 college football playoff race when they were 8-0 at that point. Three of those five losses over this eight-game period have been by double-digit deficits, including tonight against the Maryland Terrapins. So where have things gone wrong? Well, the players don't seem to have much of an indication. And in fact, there's frustration that underneath the surface is very much boiling. And it reached the surface today. And from an unlikely member of this roster, Sean, in fact, just last week before the Ohio State game, James Franklin had joked that he felt like Jahan Dotson had probably spoken about 23 words since coming to campus when asked about Jahan Dotson stepping up as a leader and saying he does it by example rather than with vocal uh, leadership. 
That changed in a big way tonight because pretty much unprompted, you can, you know, these players can answer short, answer as short as they want to. They can duck away from questions as much as they want to, just like James Franklin can each and every game if he chooses to do that. We did not get that from Jahan Dotson. He embraced his moment in the spotlight. He shared some words that felt like he wanted to make sure we're out there in the public forum. And we'll let you hear them right now, and then we'll give you some thoughts. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't speak for everyone, but I just know guys, guys, just aren't we're we're not as one right now we're not a unit right now we're we just there's a lot of different things going on that uh there's distractions basically that's that's what i could i thought i could name it there's just distractions that we should be focused on right now we we got to be focused on getting in the, the win column nothing else literally uh that's the biggest thing right now and i feel like we just got to come together as one to be completely honest with you, we're not playing good as a football team. We're not, we're not a good football team right now. We gotta just work. Literally, we, we gotta have everyone 100% bought in and we gotta work. Uh, Monday's day, days off. We gotta see every guy in the building. Literally, uh, from the top of the roster to the bottom, we gotta see every guy in the building, uh, just doing something to get better every single day. And that's where it's gonna start. It's gonna start tomorrow. We have practice tomorrow. We're gonna see who, who really, who really wants it? Who wants to be here? Who wants to be bought in? And if you don't, then there's, there's no time for that right now. We're 0-3. Uh, it's, it's time to turn the season around and we gotta do, we gotta do something different. So that's a lot from Jahan Dotson, and, and, and full transparency, those were two different comments. First half of that was was from one question, one or two questions previous, and then it was followed up upon. So we brought those together because it was essentially on the same same storyline, the same uh, line of questioning, what's going on. And, and Sean, what do you make of this? Because this is a team, say what you will about Penn State's highs and lows over the course of recent years, they have always been a spirited bunch. I mean, there's always kind of been a few guys to rally this team, uh, even in losses they've had. Uh, you know, they've showed some fight today. I, I know they put up some points late with a couple garbage time touchdown drives. That wasn't a fight. I mean, today we did not see a fight at all. Jahan Dotson's comments w- w- showed some fight and, and, it, and it, it pointed the, it pointed that microscope right on this entire program. And as he said, he made it a point to say from top to bottom. It, uh, it was leadership. You know, it's nice to see that. And that's uh, something that you're looking at this team and you're thinking, all right, who's who's going to take this thing by the horns and go with it? And you really have seen a bunch of words. And uh, and these are words, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you're not expecting that from Jahan Dotson. And, and from going back to what Franklin said a couple of weeks ago, where he's heard 23 words or whatever since he got on campus, that's, that's his personality. That's been his personality since he was a recruit. So this is surprising in the sense that you never really, you know, pointed to Jahan Dotson as a guy that's going to hold people accountable. But, you know, when that frustration get level gets so high and guys like Jahan Dotson are going out there and playing their asses off. And, you know, I think you can obviously point to the last couple of weeks and say that he's doing it more than anybody else on that offense. Uh, you you have to commend him for those comments and you have to help, hope that that resonates with the guys that he's trying to get it across to because he's saying – I mean, that's a very splintered offense right now. And they, they look like a very splintered offense, very disjointed when you go out and watch them. So um, to, to get those comments out there, to go with it, and that's not the way that Penn State has done business. And, you know, they've kind of keep, they're well coached media wise and they keep things behind closed doors, et cetera. But at some time, 
calling people out is the way to go. And that's, uh, I think that's really the approach that he took. He didn't back down from those comments. As you said, there's a couple of different uh, answers in there. Um, but I, I think that's exactly what they need to hear. Um, will they do anything with it? I mean, that's obviously on them. Jahan Dotson, 12 catches, 238 yards, four touchdowns this season, back-to-back games going 120-plus receiving yards, third consecutive game that he has scored a touchdown here in 2020. But to me, I came out of our post-game stuff, and I said, this is the story tonight. This, uh, you know, Penn State falling flat against the Maryland Terrapins is one thing. Hearing someone like Jahan Dotson make those comments directly afterward, and Jahan Dotson is a well-thought-out young man. You can't mistake uh, kind of his quiet nature as, as a kid who's not well thought. I mean, this is this is a, when he does speak, you listen to him, and, and I think that goes for all of his peers. But he wasn't selected a team captain. Uh, he's not someone that we turn to if, if you get a cluster of Penn State players. We're not sprinting toward Jahan Dotson to get a microphone in his face for the best soundbite of the afternoon. And I think because of that, Sean, this coming from him jolts you more than anything. And, and I, I wonder how James Franklin reacts to this because. Usually, you know, we get as many of these post-game interviews as we possibly can. It's a little bit trickier now with the Zoom calls, and and and, and it's kind of hit or miss sometimes after these games this season. But over the course of these game of these weeks, game weeks, we're getting five, six guys on conference calls each each week. So we hear from a lot of these players, and you can hear them often, almost every almost every line of questioning. At some point, a guy will stop himself and veer from where he was headed with the conversation and bring up the one and no mentality. And hey, you can respect that. They work on that. You try to stick to what works for you, that formula that works. Not saying the one and no mentality doesn't work right now, but something isn't working behind the scenes. And, and, and Jahan Dotson brought that to the surface a bit for us. And there was a few points where I thought, oh, he's, he's going to put a plug in it and he's going to move somewhere else and, or he's going to go bring up one and no. And he kept going and he kept going. And Pat Fryermuth uh lamented more so when when we got him after this game he questioned he said we don't know what to do he f- he says he feels like the coaches have served up uh things for them to do and to improve on but he really sounded confused frustrated because this is a guy who who he, he sp- said on the record several times he came back to compete for a championship with Penn State you know he this is, he had a couple different escape hatches to utilize if he wanted to out of Happy Valley and he turned those down and quite frankly, I've never heard Pat Fryermuth uh, seem like he was in such of a search for a solution. He's usually a guy who's in command of a conversation. And uh, one of the last questions that he got today was just really uh, a young man struggling to, to understand how things have gone wrong and how you get them to, to stop going wrong with six games left on the schedule. Yeah, he's trying to put those pieces together and they're not all there. And you know, when you don't have confidence in your quarterback, and I'm not saying that's what Pat Fryermuth or Jahan Dotson saying here, but it looks pretty clear that, you know, you're you, with body language and things like that, you, when you don't know where that ball's going, where you don't know, uh, you know, if you can't get into your break fast enough, if you're just going to be passed up, I mean, that's that's tough to deal with. And by the way, I think you went with the uh, stats for Jahan Dotson going into uh, this game. I don't want to slight him. 21 catches, 361, and five touchdowns. He's been f- I did phenomenal. it. I was going to say 12 catches. 12 catches a little light, yeah. especially he had nine yeah, he, and he had he, nine he today. Is firmly, yeah, he was, he's firmly among conference leaders in receiving. And, and he's he's looking the part. Um, he, he is the number one. And that's the thing, like – we're going to look for positives because that's what we do. We're positive people. And Jahan Dotson, Pat Fryermuth, and Parker Washington, you know, pretty good. Pretty good doing what they have to do. And Fryermuth today was probably, um, you know, he didn't get a touchdown. But, uh, you know, as as consistent as he's been, 
Um, and, and Parker Washington had the two touchdowns. Like I said, I thought he'd have a big game. I didn't think it would be in, in garbage time for the most part, but did a nice job. And they showed that at least they have confidence in him. They threw that fade to him early. Not that that's the, the, the right play call, but, uh, here we are. So, um, it's, uh, it's been, those guys have separated themselves. They've done what they needed to do, but if you don't have somebody serving it up for them, or at least giving them a chance, which some of those balls, I mean, you, you can't say that anybody had a chance. I mean, if you're, if you're flat, if you're dragged, uh, drugged down by a defender, some of those things aren't even catchable. So that's been, uh, that's been incredibly frustrating for them. I'm sure, um, they're, they're certainly not going to throw anybody into the bus from top to bottom, but, uh, yeah, I think some of those comments, the, the style comments can help. We've, I've got a write up up on lines 24 seven, uh, went up on Saturday night, uh, about some of those conversations, Jesse Lucetta, Sean Clifford, a couple team captains like Pat Fryermuth and Jahan Dotson, some thoughts from them, just kind of how it ties into where Penn state right now is trending. And, and for these young men who go join this with the 2018 recruiting class, like Lucetta, Fryermuth and Clifford, they really felt like they were maybe just going to, you know, hop on the conveyor belt, uh, toward a big 10 championship and play their role and help build that thing out. And, and ultimately and the, the phrase great to elite maybe would apply to what they would do. None of those guys thought they would be year three. I mean, they thought they'd be in these roles maybe as starters and contributors, but not for an 0-3 program getting blown out at home by the Maryland Terrapins. Yeah. Just it, it could not have possibly. And and I just I, I'm going back to to just how bright eyed they were in in that 2018 recruiting class and really feeling like, hey, we're gonna join a program that's going out and winning 11 games already. They were doing it with with low four star recruits and three star recruits. What's going to happen when we come on board and, and, and this whole group comes on board and we're going to push this thing to another wave? And as I said, sixteen and nine in in the last twenty five games or in the last twenty five games, and it's not nearly good enough considering what James Franklin has publicly thrown down as the as the bar for this program yeah it seems like a team that's uh it's an important juncture for this program because uh, i mean james franklin's not getting fired anytime soon despite what what twitter would would want um but it's uh it's it's a very important juncture it feels like you know maybe that window has passed them by and that's uh going to be a difficult realization for a lot of these guys um you know is this is a loss that i i think is bad enough that you got to examine your staff and that's saying a lot from me because I'm not a big fire them and, and it's going to take care of problems type guy. Um, it, it's just, things have been so bad and you, you know, you keep going back to, you go on to check the tape and all this kind of stuff. Well, this tape is piling up and it's the same thing over and over again. And that's really, it, it's got to be tough to swallow. It's got to be kind of the definition of insanity type thing. So, I mean, Franklin, I, I don't know what he's got to do to get this thing, to get this ship right, because there's only a little bit of time, no bye weeks this year. And, you know, you've got, uh, you're, you're playing catch up from adding this offense to begin with, but you got to figure something out and it's uh, it's got to come fast. So I'm not sure if there's staff changes are the way to go at this point, but I mean, you're, you're obviously below that uh, sort of uh, expectation level that you set for yourself and whether that those expectations are, you know, reachable or anything like that at this point, I, I don't know. And that's, uh, that's gotta be tough to watch because like I said, this is not a fun football team to watch. And you, you're, you're looking at this team and, you know, maybe today you thought, okay, well, they're going out there. They're going to go for it on fourth down because they are the better side. They're substituting like they're playing 
you know, I think they did this a, a year or two ago, maybe in the Buffalo game, where they're playing guys that they haven't played. TJ Jones was in there a little bit, playing guys that they haven't played, which kind of sets you thinking you're setting up for a blowout to try and get these guys into meaningful situations. Well, I mean, it just never came about. And you thought even even up 21, I think it was 21-7 at this point, Penn State's got a possession. Okay, maybe they kick it back to 20-20, or excuse me, 21-20. I am, it is a long day for me. Uh, 21-14, and then you get the ball back after halftime, and you've got a shot to maybe turn this thing on its head. That just didn't happen in these plays. Like I said, it looks like somebody's waiting to make a play, and, it, and it's just not working out for anybody. And um, you know, as as much as I hate to say it, I mean, you got to maybe tinker around with some things, change that quarterback, maybe get Will Levis in there for a series or something like that. Because at this point, you know, it's it, it's it, it's holding back everything, and that's really tough to swallow. It's not working on offense with this bright, shiny new coordinator that you brought in uh, on the bowl game weeks, swiped them away from the team that beat you about a month earlier and uh, showcased a big time quarterback leap with Tanner Morgan. Ain't happening. There's been major regression right now. I mentioned last time they played Maryland, Sean Clifford was Big Ten's offensive player of the week. You got the defensive coordinator who came from Vanderbilt with James Franklin, you know, a right-hand man in a lot of ways, seven years with this program. The defense has been regressing. I think our colleague Mike Poorman um, I'm going to assume his statistic is correct. Uh, he, he knows his stuff. First time Penn State has ever given up more than four, more than 30 points on four consecutive games. You throw in the defensive touchdown for Maryland this week, but it all stacks up. 39 against Memphis, 36 against Indiana, 38 against Ohio State, 35 against Maryland. There's not any answers, and they're not a lot of bright spots, but I do have one. I do have one more bright spot. You mentioned some of those past, past receivers and, and, and some of the, the, the performances they put up. How about Juice Scruggs? We got to reference this before we get out of this podcast. Juice Scruggs, uh, the top-ranked Pennsylvania lineman on either side of the football in that 2018 recruiting class. Uh, it was a big deal for the Nittany Lions to bring him on board then. We saw him late in the 2018 season. In fact, against this Maryland Terrapins team in tw- on Beaver Stadium, uh, on the field of Beaver Stadium, I believe it was the last game at home of the 2018 season. That's the last time we saw him. He was in, involved in that car accident in the spring of 2019. Very serious back injury. You have documented that, Sean. So have I. Uh, I think you did as recently as last month and, and his long, long road to recovery where, you know, it was a lot of work just to get back on the practice field and be able to just mess around a little bit and be an athlete again. He was on the field today blocking Big Ten Conference defensive lineman. He checked in at right guard late in this contest. And to me, uh, if you're looking for a silver lining, just something to feel good about, throw all the things we just talked about aside. That's a tremendous accomplishment for this young man, for his family, and I know it meant a lot to the other guys in that locker room. Number one, I, I agree with everything you said. It's great to see Juice out there. Number two, we're recapping Maryland by finding the silver lining that you know a guy played, Ugh. and that's tough to deal with. And and usually when we're doing that, we're saying, okay, they emptied the bench. They got everybody in there at the fourth quarter. Yeah, they didn't do that today. So, I mean, I, I appreciate the, the silver lining, and I think it's awesome that Juice Scruggs was out there. But at the same time, I mean, that's the situation that that, that is the uh, terrible the terrible reality that you face today. Against Maryland. Against Maryland, against Maryland a team 
full of players that you didn't offer, basically. That you passed on. You passed on, on yes. most of those guys. I mean, and there's some there's some real talent over there. You know, Rakim Jarrett, uh, you know, obviously had the big game. Nick Cross uh, looked really good. He's a guy that you were in on. But like, you know, Jake Funk ran 16 times for 80 yards. He's a Penn State legacy. His dad, Jim, played here. And, you know, just uh, you just go down the list and uh, Chance Campbell on the other side had a big day. He's a, he's a Penn State legacy. And you, you've got all these guys with these chips on their shoulders because Penn State didn't recruit them and now you give them a reason essentially to believe and and you saw that throughout the game and and that's one thing James Franklin kind of alluded to last week is you can't give Maryland the confidence early because if you do that you know they can they can start to snowball some things and you kind of laugh it off considering how bad they've been but that's kind of exactly what happened and and and, you know the worst possible way for Penn State so I think that's just something that, that that's going to uh potentially haunt you in the long term. We talked about how damaging the 59 nothing was last year for Maryland. Well, 35 to 19, obviously the score is a lot closer, but when you consider what that turnaround has been or that turnaround score has been for Maryland and the way that it, they did it, I mean, that's – I wouldn't – go as far as saying it's equally as damaging but this was this is one that can can linger for a long long time whenever Maryland can get prospects back in their team facilities visiting recruits and w- w- hopefully that happens in college football sooner rather than later regardless of how the rest of the season goes for them they are going to have highlights meshed up with some pump up music of this game of this win in beaver stadium of the big moments i can tell you they're going to hammer it home to death in that region because it matters a lot to them to be able to push off Penn State of at least some of these prospects and keep them at home. And this is going to give them some ammunition for that. And, and, and meanwhile, you know, Penn State commits right now. You'd understand if they have some questions. Uh, I know Landon Tangwall tweeted, we are. And I have to imagine it was a very rough night for Landon Tangwall considering some of the uh, the interactions he's had with Maryland fans back home in person and specifically on Twitter. Um, he reaffirms things a little bit and, and he's go- totally on board. But, hey, you've got a lot going for you on the 2022 recruiting trail and, and you don't want to jeopardize that. And an 0-3 start and a performance like this and the conversation that's going to linger, not just here with the Penn State media, but nationally about what has happened to these Nittany Lions, that won't do you any favors at all. So a big week ahead for James Franklin. If this team wasn't inspired to come out and, and play strong football to start off against Maryland with an 0-2 uh, situation, back against the wall situation, can you count on them to do it at 0-3 in an 11 a.m. kickoff in Lincoln, Nebraska? I don't know. That That's that's a big week ahead. That's a big challenge ahead, as Jahan Dotson said. A lot of soul-searching going on for this program right now. And one thing to note, on a night that we did not see Penn State put their trust or, or put a willingness to evaluate any other quarterback on their roster uh, for the third consecutive game, um, we also saw for the second straight matchup a transfer quarterback have a phenomenal performance against Penn State, someone that did not start off with that program, ultimately found their way to that program, and ultimately found their way to Beaver Stadium to put up a big night in a double-digit victory. It's just more food for thought as we try to dissect where things are going to move forward for Penn State from a personnel standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, and how they're going to find solutions. And from a loyalty standpoint, I mean, let's talk about that if we're going to. I mean, we've, I mean it's already out let's there. Let's talk about it. I mean, Sean Clifford, if he's not the answer, you you want to put together a roster where you bounce back next year. And, you know, I, for all the talk of, you know, 2020 doesn't really count because COVID, all this kind of stuff, whatever. Um, you want to bounce back and make, you know, put that in the rearview mirror as, fa- as quickly as possible. If you don't have that on your roster, you got to go out there and get it. And, you know, you 
their loyalty only goes so far. And, and, you know, if you, if this is the product that you're going to get, if this is the guy that you're going to have lead you for the next couple of years, you're going to have to deal with the ramifications. And that's uh, really an unfortunate situation. But at the same time, you've got to, you know, get in there and you got to look to you. You got to look to the portal and see what the portal is going to be able to give you. It's not all going to be great. Not everybody's going to be a, a, a go-to guy and a, and a guy that can come in and start right away, but you got to do anything you can to make that because the quarterback position is so important. You got to do anything you can. Um, you owe it to your program to, to, to do that and to figure out if you can make it, uh, make it work. Well, it's an embarrassing night for Penn state. Uh, and embarrassing night, I know, for the fans, but more so, it's reverberating in that Penn State football facility. I guarantee you there are coaches and players on their iPads right now trying to figure out what the heck just happened to them. Meanwhile, a momentous evening for the Maryland Terrapins. We'll see where their season goes forward. They got Ohio State coming to town next week. Again, Penn State going into Nebraska. We'll do our best to delve through this a little bit more to start out uh, the first podcast of this upcoming week before we shift our attention to Nebraska. We'll probably have some stuff on the recruiting trail to dive into as well. A signing day suddenly approaching. Sean, anything else to add? Uh, by the way, I'd highly recommend for our VIP subscribers, Sean put together kind of a, a five takeaway item agenda of what the hell is going on with Penn State and where are you going to find solutions to these big problems that this program is facing in a very real way with no bye week to hide into and six games in six weeks up ahead of them. Sean, great work on that. And I would highly recommend that. And, and if you want, check out the piece I wrote on the, on the conversation among Penn State players right now with, with where they are. Yeah, I'd say check that out. And uh, I, I'm in, I would say I'm interested in checking the tape, but I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to find like, like last weekend against Ohio State, I don't think I'm going to find all that much. Um, so we'll, we'll see what comes of that. Um, you know, got my bourbon here so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that i've got washington giants tomorrow so i'm going to continue to torment myself with bad football so other than that i mean it's great life goes on 70 and sunny in state college on sunday we'll do our best to enjoy that we appreciate you it's not an easy listen this evening but we hope it was an enlightening one in some way maybe therapeutic for a few of you and maybe just ratcheted up the intensity of the rage you are currently feeling We don't accept any blame for that. We'll talk to you real soon. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. You've been tuned in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.